Hey, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in to the show. You have found me at Off the Bench with Heidi St. John. Today is Wednesday, August the 5th. This is episode 973. We're going to learn a little bit today from the life of King David. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. So I appreciate you guys following our family as we are trekking along the United States right now. Uh, we are en route to Greenville, South Carolina, and I will be doing one of the only live and in-person events that's being offered anywhere in the nation this Friday. So if you guys are anywhere near Greenville, South Carolina, can I just encourage you right now, come on out to Grace Baptist Fellowship on August 7th, starting at 9 a.m. It's an entire day from 9 in the morning to 8 o'clock in the evening. Uh, I'm going to be speaking live there. They'll also be streaming it live, but I'm going to be speaking there with uh, my friends, Helen Melanie Young, and several other speakers, including David and Leslie Nunnery and uh, Sonia Schaefer and Kim Sorgas. I think you guys are going to be encouraged. One of the only times this year that we're going to be able to encourage you live and in person. And I will link back to it in the show notes today, but you want to go to teachthemdiligently.net forward slash conventions, and you guys can register for that event. And uh, it's going to be a really great time. So I hope you guys will join us. After that, we're going to be heading back to our home in the Pacific Northwest. We will continue to do pop-up shops around the country. And so if we pull in and we've got a little bit of time or we know ahead of time where we'll be, we will let you guys know. I wanted to catch you guys up on a couple of things that we've been working on. First of all, we're right at the beginning of a brand new Bible study at Mom Strong International. Even then, I will be courageous. And we're talking about what it means to have courage in the culture right now. And you guys, it takes the spirit of the living God. We need to be infused with the spirit. We need to be in his word. God is doing amazing things. He is speaking in ways that I have not seen him move and speak in a very long time. Uh, we've been watching the hearts of God's people turn back to him. And I'm not talking about the smoke and lights and uh, mirrors that we've seen in the church for so long. I'm talking about people who are committed to repentance and excited about what God is doing. And so I'm going to encourage you, if you've not joined me at MomStorm International, I want to encourage you to do it. It's $8 a month. We're doing the scripture writing challenge there. And a lot of you have been doing that with me for a long, long time, at least five years. And this month, we made the decision to move that to uh, a paid scripture writing challenge. It's only $2 a month, but we have taken a huge hit at the ministry because of the loss of my speaking income and traveling income. And the decision was made in order for me to continue to pay the people that are on staff that help us get the graphics done and paying for uh, the server and the staff that helps me put this whole thing together, we decided to make the decision to ask you to uh, subscribe to that. And it is now $2 a month. And for $6 more, you can get the full meal deal. You can get the Bible study, which includes a component called Kids Strong. We're going to help you teach your children what you are learning. So I want you guys to be encouraged. God is at work. Uh, check it out at momstronginternational.com. A lot of things have been going on out here on the road. You guys saw last week I got tagged by Rolling Stone magazine. They called me an anti-mask propagandist. As you can imagine, the fallout from that wasn't that amazing. But here's what's really cool. Uh, I just continue to believe that the Lord is waking up his people. And he's getting us off the bench and onto the battlefield, which has been 
uh, the theme really of my life, and particularly for the last 10 years of full-time ministry that we have been doing. And as I've written the scripture writing challenge out for you guys every month for the last five years and working at uh, traveling across the country and talking to you, I'm hearing the same thing everywhere I go. So we've stopped so far in Lincoln, Nebraska. We did a pop-up shop there. We did a pop-up shop at Abundant Life Church in Lee Summit, Missouri. Then we traveled to Orlando where we hosted one there. And then a couple of days ago, we hosted one in Percival, Virginia. And I had the opportunity to talk to several of you. Thanks for coming out. I got some of the best hugs of the whole trip out there uh, right before uh, right before this uh, tropical storm started moving into the area. And uh, I was so encouraged to hear that you guys are coming face to face with the spirit, and it is a spirit of fear, and you're recognizing it as such. And so, like I've said a thousand times here, I'm going to say it again. The Bible teaches us that God didn't, this is 2 Timothy 1 7, God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Now, that's not an excuse to be stupid. That's not an excuse to say, hey, let's go lick the doorknobs and pretend like there's not a virus. No, there are viruses everywhere. And this one's a particularly nasty one. It's also a virus with a 99.89% survival rate. In other words, most people that get it recover from the virus. And what have we done? in the light of this thing, we've closed our churches. We've closed our churches. We have decided to go online, except for we know that when the Bible talks about the gathering, as it does all throughout scripture, Hebrews 10, 25, do not forsake the gathering, the ecclesia, that word for church in the New Testament literally means a gathering. Now, some of you are going to say, well, the church isn't a gathering, Heidi. The church is a people. Yes, it is. But we are called to gather. We are called to gather. God says that he literally inhabits the praises of his people, that God said, where two or more are gathered in my name, I am there. My presence is among them. God wants us to gather. Why? To stir each other up to love and good works, to say, hey, what's God doing in your heart? And I find it fascinating that my entire life, having grown up in the church, I've heard pastors from pulpits from, you know, the shore to shore, from sea to shining sea here in the in the uh, United States say, you guys need to be courageous. We God wants you in the jungles of Africa. God wants you to go to Iraq. God wants you to smuggle Bibles into communist China and risk your life to do it. God would have you you know, do all these frightening, scary things. And then when a virus with a 99.98% survival rate comes to the United States, the churches are afraid and they close their doors. Something's wrong. And so today I want to talk a little bit about how David defeated the Ammonites because we we need to look to see how God's people reacted in scripture when they encountered fearful situations. And so as I was reading in my quiet time a couple of days ago, I came across First Chronicles 19. I'm going to read it to you and then I'm going to highlight a couple of things. I want you to really pay close attention because you're going to see that wars start for the oddest reasons. And this is one of those. So let's check it out, you guys. First Chronicles chapter 19. Sometime after this, King Nahash of the Ammonites died and his son Hanun became the king. David said, I'm going to show loyalty to Hanun because his father Nahash was always loyal to me. There was a lot of strutting around with the kings of Israel. We we learn, right? Actually, all the kings. They thought they were kind of amazing. So David sent messengers to express sympathy to Hanun about his father's death. But when David's ambassadors arrived in the land of Ammon, the Ammonite commander said to Hanun, do you really think these men are coming here to honor your father? No. David has sent them to spy out the land so they can come and conquer it. So Hanun seized David's ambassadors and shaved them, 
cut off their robes at the buttocks and sent them back to David in shame. When David heard what happened to the men, he sent ambassadors to them saying, stay at Jericho until your beards grow out and then come back for they felt deep shame because of their appearance. I'm going to stop right there because something interesting popped out at me when I was reading this passage. And that is how easily we are shamed. We are victims of shame, except for we know that God didn't, that is not from the Lord. There is therefore now no condemnation, right? For those who are in Christ Jesus. And I think it's interesting to see how we are easily shamed as as believers. We're shamed because of our background. We're shamed because of past sin. We can easily be shamed uh, even now. Like I went into the grocery store the other day without a mask, which I cannot wear, and I was shamed. And we can either wear the shame or not. And David was sensitive to it. He looked at these men. He realized that they had been uh, shamed, publicly shamed, and he gave them the opportunity to recover to rest, to say, wait until you can get yourselves together, till your beard grows out, and then come back. Let's look at this, verse 6. When the people of Ammon realized how seriously they had angered David, Hanan and the Ammonites sent 75,000 pounds of silver to hire chariots and charioteers from the surrounding areas, and they hired 32,000 chariots and secured the support of the king of Mecca and his army. These forces camped at Medeba, where they were joined by the Ammonite troops that Hunan had recruited from his own towns. When David heard about this, he sent Joab and all his warriors to fight them. The Ammonite troops came out and drew their battle lines at the entrance of the city, while the other kings positioned themselves to fight in the open fields. I think it's so interesting how uh, easily we're drawn into war. Basically, some dude had his feelings hurt, and so now we're going to fight. And I see this all over the culture right now. It is a spirit that is not from the Lord. We see this in the Black Lives Matter movement. I've been told, you know, uh, on uh, a few occasions that I need to apologize for my whiteness. Everyone's everyone's offended. This easily offended. We're willing to go to war. In Portland, Oregon, they're burning Bibles in the streets. They're burning the American flags. And half of them can't even tell you why. They're, whole, they're, they're somewhere along the line, somewhere in my ancestry, I have been offended. I'm offended. So therefore, we're going to burn your city to the ground. Well, that's a lot of what we're seeing here now. David David does this guy a good turn. The guy's wrongly advised that David does not have his best interest at heart and now he's offended. Really that's what they went to war for. They went they went to war over uh over the fact that they were offended. Their pride was hurt. Verse 10 when Joab saw that he would have to fight on both the front and the rear. Keep those keep those uh that strategy in mind. He chose some of Israel's elite troops and placed them under his personal command to fight the Arameans in the fields. He left the rest of the army under the command of his brother, Abishai, who was to attack the Ammonites. If the Arameans are too strong for me, then come over and help me, Joab told his brother. And if the Ammonites are too strong for you, I will help you. Be courageous. Let us fight bravely for our people and the cities of our God. And may the Lord's will be done. Verse 14, I'm going to come back to that. So hang on to it. Verse 14, when Joab and his troops attacked, the Arameans began to run away. And when the Ammonites saw the Arameans running, they also ran from Abishai and retreated into the city. Bunch of chickens. Then Joab returned to Jerusalem. The Arameans now realized they were no match for Israel, so they sent messengers and summoned additional Aramean troops from the other side of the Euphrates rivers. These troops were under the command of the commander of Hadazier's forces. When David heard what was happening, 
he mobilized all Israel, crossed the Jordan River, and positioned his troops in battle formation. Then David engaged the Arameans in battle, and they fought against him. But again, the Arameans fled from the Israelites. This time, David's forces killed 7,000 charioteers, 40,000 foot soldiers, including Shobach, the commander of their army. And when Hadassir's allies saw that they had been defeated by Israel, they surrendered to David and became his subjects. After that, the Arameans were no longer willing to help the Ammonites. As I read this, I've been really praying and asking the Lord that a leader, a godly leader, would rise up that could mobilize the people to cross the Jordan River and position them in battle formation. So much of what I hear in the country right now is, what are we going to do? Why don't the people in Portland rise up? Why don't the people in Seattle, the good people of Seattle, why are they putting up with this uh, burning, really, and pillaging of their cities? It's happening night after night after night. In Portland, Oregon now, we're going on several months of unabated protest. Late last week, we saw rioters in Portland cut off the head of a pig and put a police hat on it and set it on fire. And people keep asking, where are the good people of Portland? When will they mobilize and put a stop to this? And it occurred to me as I was talking to my husband, they don't have a leader. There is not a righteous, godly leader who is able to mobilize the citizens and come up with a plan. And that's exactly what needs to happen. And I noticed that David comes before the Lord. And when he realizes, okay, we're going to have to, we're going to have to stick together. This really stuck out to me in verse 12. He said, uh, when Joab, I'm going to go back to verse 10. When Joab saw that he would have to fight on both the front and the rear, that's exactly where we are right now. He chose some of Israel's elite troops and placed them under his personal command to fight the Arameans in fields. He left the rest of the army under the command of his brother, who was to attack the Ammonites. Now listen to what he says to his brother. If the Arameans are too strong for me, then come over and help me, Job told his brother. And if the Ammonites are too strong for you, I will help you. Be courageous. Let us fight bravely for our people and the cities of our God, and may the Lord's will be done. Do you notice that these guys don't sit down and go, we should just pray about it and fast for a while. We pray and we fast so that we know what God wants us to do. They also realized that the battle could go one way or the other. And so they had a plan. They were saying, listen, if the Arameans are too strong, come over and help me. But if the Ammonites are too strong, I'm going to go and help you. And I can see these two guys uh, embracing each other on the field and saying, be courageous. They looked at each other, be courageous. Let's fight bravely for our people. And yet, We are lacking that kind of courage in the culture right now. We're definitely lacking it in the church. We see a lot of people who don't know what to do. And I'm just praying that God raises up righteous leaders. We need more Deborahs right now. We need more Joabs. We need more Joshuas. We need more Davids. Because at the end of the day, you guys, God calls us to walk bravely and courageously with him. He does not call us to live in fear. And as I said at the beginning of the podcast, we've seen a spirit of fear descend over our nation like a cold, wet blanket or like one of the doctors uh, of America's frontline doctors said the other day, a spider web, a spider web of fear, a virus with a 99.8% survival rate. And we have shuttered our nation and crashed our economy. And we are living under a spirit of fear, which we know is not from God. We know it is not. And one of the things we've been telling our kids recently, and we get a lot of phone calls about this, right? Uh, I'm getting a lot of emails from church leaders, uh, people who have different roles in the churches, and they're saying, what, what should we do? 
I heard a pastor from Vancouver, Washington the other day said that the reason they're not opening their church is because they're trying, the elders are having a hard time balancing the physical needs of their church and the spiritual needs. Well, you guys, we balance where there's nothing to balance. Our responsibility is for the spiritual needs as Christians of God's people. And again, that doesn't mean that we act foolishness, foolishly, but if you give up the spiritual oversight and the spiritual, uh, and the spiritual authority that God has given you, then the adversary will come in. And you guys, he said, our, God says our days have been ordained for us. And so while we see this spirit of fear, someone rightly pointed out to me, this is an antichrist spirit. So not the antichrist, but it is definitely an antichrist spirit. And we see it all over the nation. And so what should the response be? Well, I believe with all of our heart, our response should be, Lord, Help us mobilize your people and cross the Jordan River and position our troops in battle formation. That is where we are right now. And where do we see ourselves in the churches? We're shuttered in our homes. We won't open our churches. We're going online because it's safe. Well, if that's the case, guys, then stop sending your people to communist China. And let's not send any more missionaries to the jungles of Africa and to the Amazon forest. Let's not do any of that stuff. Let's not send them into war-torn countries. And into places where they could literally be killed because they're Christians. Because we got no leg to stand on here in the United States when we close our doors and stay inside because we're afraid of a virus with a 99.8% survival rate. I'm troubled for the state of the church right now. And I guess I want to encourage you today, as Jay and I travel across the country, it's easy for us to feel discouraged and, and frustrated with what we're seeing. I think that we've forgotten how amazing and how powerful God is and how completely sufficient he will be no matter what we're going through. I was feeling a little bit frustrated this morning as we're getting ready to head into uh, head down south because there's a tropical storm coming up the east coast. And and uh, what did the Lord say to me this morning? He said, uh, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to go away. There's a, you, you see, he says that I can rest in him. I can rest in him. That's amazing. Fear nothing. That's what the Bible says in Psalm 91, verses 1 to 8. Fear nothing. This is what the psalmist said. He gave us the remedy for fear. He said, you will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence. That's a plague. That's a virus that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. Notice he doesn't say it doesn't destroy. He said, don't be afraid of it. You see, the remedy for fear is to walk in right relationship with the Lord. In verse two, to dwell in the shadow of the most high, to rest in the shadow of the almighty. You see, the opposite of fear is trust, is to trust in God. And there's a strong connection between what we think and what we say. And so if the church, if we're, if we're truly afraid, if we're like, hey, Lord, we're truly afraid. We're going to close our churches because we think that's what you'd want us to do. The psalmist says that the way that we change our thinking is to speak about the goodness of God, to say out loud, God, I trust in you. You are my refuge and I am safe. That's Psalm 91. Verse two, you see, God promises to rescue us from hidden traps, to shield us from deadly hazards. His huge outstretched arms protect his children and Bible teaches us that underneath them, we are perfectly safe. In verse four, his arms fend off all harm. Fear is destroying our churches and frankly, it's destroying our testimonies. God raised Jesus from the dead, you guys. And when he did it, he freed you from the fear of death and all the fears that go with it. You don't need to be afraid about the future. And you can enjoy the present without fear. That means in the middle of this thing, you can have joy. 
So Lord, help us to be like David. Help us to be like Joab. Help us to mobilize and cross the Jordan River and position our troops in battle formation because we trust the Lord. Because we trust you. I know that we can trust the Lord. Are you guys with me today? I hope you'll come out and see me. I'm going to be in in South Carolina, Greenville, South Carolina this Friday. Tell your friends. Please share it on social media. These guys have had a heck of a hard time getting this conference up off the ground. And I know would encourage them greatly if you guys would show up. Uh, Tickets are about $49. And it includes the live stream and access to all this stuff for the rest of your natural life which would be great. Again, August 7th from 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern at Grace Baptist Fellowship off of Pickney Street in Greenville, South Carolina. I'm going to go ahead and close out today's podcast in prayer. Father, I thank you that your word never changes. We thank you that because you were raised from the dead, Jesus, that we do not have to be afraid that you conquered death. And you conquered fear. And so, Lord, thank you that we can dwell in your shelter and rest in your shadow. And, Lord, we pray today, as David did, you are my refuge and my fortress, and we will trust in you. We will trust in you. For every person listening to this, for every father, for every student, for every mother, Lord, show us how you want us to behave. Show us how we can be strong and courageous. Show us how we can look and see what's happening to our brothers and sisters. And if we see that they are losing the war to go over and fight with them, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to link arms with each other, to stand for truth and righteousness and to not cower in fear. That is not who we are. I pray, Lord, that you'd waken your church, that we'd be both strong and courageous. I thank you for every person listening to this today, Lord. I pray you'd bless the ministry and the work of MomStrong International and the work of the Friendly Planet Homeschool Resource Center. May they bring you glory. May they lift your name high. May we make much of Jesus in these days. We thank you that your return is soon, and I pray, Lord, that we will be found ready. We love you so much, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you guys for listening today. We love you so much. We'll see you back here on Friday. For more-